Hello and welcome to the 164th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, show initially focused on developing themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Morphite by Crescent Moon Games. Josh, who are you yes. and what do you do? <clears throat> I am <clears throat> Josh Precisen, and I am, I guess, the owner and the main main uh, main guy at Crescent Moon Games. I am sort of the founder of the company. I am, as far as Morphite goes, I am the creator slash designer and producer of the game. I am not the programmer of the game, but I designed the game and wrote the story. And um, I also did many other things game-related with Morphite. But um, my past history is Crescent Moon Games is developer slash publisher of indie games. We've done many mobile games, we've done Steam games, and we've done some console games. And Morphite is our latest cross-platform game, you might say. It's out on almost every platform right now. It is. Amazing feat. Uh, and we'll, we'll be coming back to it later on. But before we do, let's delve in a bit of your past. You've already hinted a little bit there. But um, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? I say flashy lighty because we have to differentiate <laughs> those from board games, which are now they're almost on parallel with each other as regards to sure. popularity, which is awesome, I think. But never thought I'd see the day, but oh well, it's happened. So, how did you make your start making video games? Well, I'm, I'm probably like most other game designers or game developers. I had an interest in video games as a child, and you know, had the early, um, I guess the spectrums and the, you had a different sort of um, spectrum over there than, you, than we have in the States here. Yes, I mean, although I have found a lot of Americans now know what we have or had. Um, <laughs> yes. It's yes. true. I mean, over the last five years, they suddenly went, wait, you didn't have the NES? No. So what did you have? It's a wonderful exchange. Like, well, we had this. We point to ZX Spectrums and Amstrad right, and BBCs and... Similar things, just different. And different, yeah. It's it's the same feeling that I have when I go and visit, you know, the UK or England or, or sorry, or, or Europe or any any other place that's different than the US. It seems like the same but different. Same. And different, um, yeah. anyway, so I had interest in games, and as many people do, but I was always interested in art and design, and I went to school for art, and got into visual, visualization with architects and things like that um, for a while. and But I just had wanted to get back into game gaming or have something to do with gaming. So I finally had this idea to make a game, and it was about... it was called, The game was called Raven Sword, and, and it was about... Um, it was going to be sort of a fantasy-based multiplayer game, sort of like a Hexen... Um, I guess almost like, you know, a, a team-based multiplayer first-person shooter, but fantasy. So that was my first idea for a game, and I started working on it with a programmer that I spoke with, and we didn't get very far. <laughs> we we um, we created some art assets. We had a little bit of code, but we didn't we didn't couldn't make it past the multiplayer part. So I kind of gave up for a little while, and I thought that was kind of my the end of gaming for me as far as development goes but then the iphone came out and you know i was scouring the app store just to see what was going on in there and i didn't realize yet that there were games that resembled um more hardcore games on a phone so so that was kind of my real start was when i took what we had from raven sword and made it into a game for the iphone so that was our first big game was Raven Sword on the iPhone back in 2009. And it's, when it came out... It's amazing it was, how the iPhone is 10 years old, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, just looking back, it makes me feel much older thinking that I was doing games for the original iPhone and that mm. actually ran on the original iPhone. Um, but I'll, I have 
I can add to this story later where I know someone that even older than I am <laughs> who's made games in the 80s, and that makes me feel a little bit younger. But anyway, um, so anyway, Ravensword came out on the iPhone. It was a massive success because there was no other big open-world RPG out on the iPhone at the time, so there was a little market that was instantly created for <clears throat> these types of games. And after that, it was successful, and I talked to other developers, helped other developers with their RPGs, which got more into a start with publishing, and continued that for quite a while, published more games, and ended up getting into different genres of games. And so now I've sort of come full circle where I'm kind of developing and publishing, but more interested in developing my own more recently um, and, and expanding onto other platforms because the mobile market for, you know, making your money back, so to speak, is very tough, especially for paid up front games like you would have on a console or on PC or whatever. So, I'm kind of getting back to my root, so to speak, but just on different platforms. Yes, and for me, um, just take a little bit, backtrack just a little bit, because I want to delve, because I discovered RPGs on my iPad, iPad 1, oh. which I then eventually upgraded to my latest iPad, I think, you know, it's I've always been upgrading, well, not that often, because I actually upgraded my phone more than my iPad, which I think most people do, um, and I have a whole clutch of RPGs. <laughs> I mean, because I loved delving and finding these really deep and complex games on the mobile platform. Because I was fascinated by them. Like, um, and some some are good, some are not so good. Uh, I won't name them all, but you know, and um, you know, I just I just love um, worlds and exploring worlds. And um, and I just thought I, I explain to people that look, it's not just Angry Birds or whatever match three game you can think of apart from threes which is fine leave threes alone <laughs> but you know um it's it and and i showed these people and this it's jaw-dropping you know some of this stuff rivaled the ultima series uh, in my opinion uh did you not think that i i mean i i do and you know i've i guess i've been playing the elder scrolls <clears throat> for, a, for a while and some of the earlier games but mm. and of course zelda and things like that yes. more i guess i guess myself i'm into RPGs, but I'm always more of a action adventure type of gamer, I guess. Okay. Um, so anyway, I think it's interesting the, 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 the crossover between the games that you can play on an iPhone or an iPad and then a console or a PC game. And I think the, the mobile games get too much, take too much heat for, I don't know. They, it, it's strange. I, I feel like at this point, there are so many console games that show up on mobile that you can't even consider it mobile anymore. Um, and you you might see lower prices on mobile for the same games. Maybe that's the reason why people are so harsh on it. But I don't know. That's where I got my start, so I can't bash it. No. Um, yeah. I think it's a fine platform, just as fine as any other platform. Yes, it's just the unfortunate race to the bottom that happened or right. continues to happen. But that's only if you just look at it superficially. Superficially, I think every platform suffers from that, not just mobile. This just seems to be more prevalent on mobile, more obvious um, because of the, the of where it, ha where it came to be, how it evolved. Because back, you know, mobile gaming has a very strange history. We had a whole raft of different handsets, none of which are compatible with each other. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was quite bizarre. And then suddenly they went, you know what, let's not do this. And Apple just took it by the ball by the horns and said, let's turn it into this. Yes. And then the whole, the whole smartphone thing arrived. And then Google went, yeah, we can do this as well. And then opened it up to everyone. And here we are with these two vying platforms. But... I think it's the, the processing power of these machines now in our hands is astonishing. Um, and uh, that's what's given you, people like yourself uh, and the people you've helped and published with, to you know, just expand and create extraordinary things that two to three years ago wouldn't have been possible. I would like to actually comment on that particular subject, in fact. Okay. Because I think in some ways, 
we have gained hardware power, but we've actually gone backwards a little bit as far as, um, I guess the, what's the word for it? I'm thinking of optimization. Mm-hmm. We, we spent so much more time back in the olden days of mobile optimizing and making sure that games ran as fast as they possibly could where now you can kind of just throw things out there without paying as much attention. And it's just, it just amazes me what we were able to do back a few years ago compared to what we're doing now. And I think we have too much at our disposal, so to speak, where we could actually do much more, but we just don't (laughs) for some reason. I don't know if it's because we're too lazy or, we don't have the time or whatever it is. But back, you know, a few years ago, we were trying much harder. Mm. And we're given too much is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's the, uh, like, back in the day when memory leaks were, well, they still are a thing, but now they're harder yes. to spot because, like, oh, it's slowing down five hours after play. Happened? <laughs> right. well, there is actually a memory leak, but it's finally filled your memory up because you have gigabytes of memory now. <laughs> right. You don't have to worry about those things. You don't have to worry about it. it was gonna, it's, eventually, if you play it for that long, you know, don't worry. <laughs> right, it doesn't matter anymore. No? It's, it, well, it almost, I guess you could look at it two ways. You could look at it, well, you're getting to spend more time designing the game versus optimizing the game. Hmm. But I think it's a, sort of a fine balance where you, those sorts of things help improve the game I, I believe that they're important to the game just as much as the other part so anyway that was a sidetrack but i just wanted to say that no i appreciate it this show's all about sidetracking to a point to a point um so that's how you made your start then you you made this extraordinary sort of rpg in the faltering steps and you tried to make a multiplayer didn't quite work out on the pc or whatever platform you're working on at the time and then decided oh let's just dive into to, to this strange mobile land that Apple just invented, whether it liked it or not. And uh, here you are. Yep. Awesome. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this next question is a bit nebulous, but I like asking it of creators like yourself because it creates an interesting discussion. So the question is, what are your biggest influences as a creator? Um, that is a pretty nebulous question. Um Influences? Can that be any type of influence? Could at be all? anything. Uh, we've had okay. guests on that refer oh. to pets as <laughs> <laughs> So oh, it could be. It could be. It's really about just. Really, what I'm asking is, what's the thing you find yourself orbiting more than any other, uh, and in your creative process, it could be anything. The, the the desire to share your ideas. It might be a political ideals. I don't know anything. Okay, well, that is an interesting one. I guess I would have to say using game design as a creative outlet where I feel like I'm doing something that is creative and it's not a grind, so to speak. And I'm able to do that, come up with ideas, especially in a game like Morphite, where there's so many things going on. It's a big mess of ideas that may not always work, but it's thrilling the being able to actually implement these ideas in a way that someone who's playing it on the other end will be able to kind of grasp what I'm, what I was trying to put together. And I guess the, that would be the biggest thing is that just the, being able to have a creative outlet, which is not just art, which is, you know, my, my background is art, but the idea part is more interesting to me than the art itself. I love art, but I've always kind of wanted to be an inventor of sorts, even though I never had any great ideas for inventions. It seems like with games, you can do so many different things that are similar to that, that it, it, it keeps your brain going. So I guess the, the creative part is what I like the most about and influences me the most. The mere act of creation itself. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, I don't that's, know if, I don't yeah. know if that's, I, I guess that's not really a influence. It's more, the enjoyment of the creation part, the, it, the actual it, influence part is probably coming from somewhere that I don't understand. No, and that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. You know, uh, others suggest, um, you know, a specific kind of, of, of text or a hmm. 
particular author or um, a world or you know something like that or they've been inspired and been driven to create themselves because they saw something they experienced something and they want to you know so actually i can make something here's this Uh, but what a wonderful answer to say the mere act of creation is 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 influence enough that that drive that you know to, to say look here i've made this and it's not just a menu screen <laughs> i went right. beyond the menu yeah. screen actually nice no, the last yeah. thing you do isn't it um <laughs> it can be the last thing well I, I think sometimes it's hard to quantify that where these ideas will come from you can just you know i might be drinking a coffee or something and then i'll just have an idea yeah um, i mean I, of course i like certain things that you know like yeah. any other person i like things like Blade Runner and, you know, uh, certain authors and whatever. But, Mm. you know, I think just the ideas, they don't come from necessarily those things all the time. I think they just kind of come from somewhere else that you can't put your finger on. So I'll just say that that it will lead to more creation and it's sort of a domino effect. Excellent. So... My next question then is um, it's kind of related to the fourth, third one. In fact, all these questions I have, they all kind of relate to one another. That's how I designed them. But what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Well, I heard this question on your last podcast and I was trying to think of who I would admire the most. And I guess I would just have to say Nintendo. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't, have, I wouldn't try to say a quote-unquote modern developer like a indie develop certain indie developer or someone like that i would have to say nintendo because that would be the biggest influence on anything game related ever so it's very topical because you know mario odyssey's come out this week right and everyone's yes. losing their minds. And I did play it before at, a, at an event about, about a month ago, and they have every, have every right to lose their minds over it because, I mean, Nintendo is a fantastic response, and it's perfectly valid. Of course, it's, any response is valid, but, you know, it's <laughs> they are exceptionally good <laughs> at making... Yeah, they've been doing I mean, it for a very, very, very long time. I just don't understand how they do it because they continuously get such well perfect scores but just their their games are so fluid and creative and everything about them um so yeah i mean i was a big nes player that was my favorite system so metroid was probably my biggest influence game wise the original metroid and um you know I i played the snes as well but the original met or the original nintendo was always influence in mario or super mario metroid zelda and those kid icarus those original nintendo games um still influence me today <laughs> <laughs> yes and it shows we'll talk about it later but um no I mean, people try to emulate them and not saying you are because you wouldn't but people generally try to dive into that realm of trying to you know enter that space and like it just it just doesn't quite sometimes they get it, but most of the time it's like almost. But yeah. you haven't got the soul, have you? <laughs> well, that's the, it's it's so hard, and sometimes I I made a game and I think, oh, this game definitely has a soul, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other people don't seem to think so. <laughs> no, I'm actually picking up my copy of Mario Odyssey tomorrow, so I'm looking forward okay. to that. Yeah, I need um, to. yeah, it's uh, I have a switch. I've, I've got it when it came out because I thought. That's awesome. That's a great idea. You know, Zelda, a full Zelda game in your hand. What could possibly go wrong? That's right. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, it's a great answer. And uh, I did get a SNES Mini. I actually streamed it for three hours. Um, wow. or SNES Mini, I should say. So lots of people oh. didn't do the acronyms. But I didn't actually have one when, when I was uh, – because I had an Amiga. I was a oh, big okay. computer fan, so I had an Amiga instead. Which uh, Amiga was I had the 500 first, and then okay. I upgraded to a 1200. Okay, um, because my friend had the 500, which is the one I played, yeah, and I absolutely loved it. But th- I think the problem was that because it was not my own, I wasn't able to. I was only able to experience it in little bits here and there. So I played a few games, and I just absolutely loved it. But yeah, I, 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 I do. I do find lots of Americans go, oh, "Yeah, Amigas are awesome." didn't have them you know no one had them and but they 
it's just a, a affection for them. And uh, but I have a twelve hundred. I still got it. Uh, but it doesn't. It, it. I kind of got went crazy with it. I upgraded it. I upgraded it. I upgraded it. it. Now it can now run Quake at thirty frames per second. That's not an Amiga. <laughs> that's that's not an Amiga. I know that. It's like any any system in the world right now. <laughs> it's, but, um, it's 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 a monster. It sits in a tower case. It oh, looks wow. like a PC, but you turn it on and it boots up Amiga. Like what the? <laughs> well, you think how forward thinking Amiga or yeah. Um, Commodore was at the time. I mean, yeah. it's just compared to everything else. But anyway, anyway. so this leads us on to the final question of the first half. Well done, you made it. It's a bit like a game, you know. There's a boss monster in the middle, but there isn't. But, but this is my favourite question because it gives me a little inkling. You've already given me hints anyway about what you know, what you like to experience outside your own, um, outside of what you make yourself. So, what are you playing right now? Well, this is going to be a very sad answer. It probably won't make you very happy. Um, maybe it won't make the listening audience that happy either. But <clears throat> I'm such a terrible gamer. I like. I think my attention span is way too short to be able to play anything for any given amount of time. Right. So I end up playing a lot of mobile, or at least some mobile games that I get introduced to by friends or whatever. Okay. And... Like the game I always play the most, and it's so sad, but such a great game, is Tiny Wings. I don't know if you played that game. That game's awesome. I can't believe they released a patch about two or three years after it was out. Going, <laughs> Here, here's all this free stuff. What? Yeah, it's all these add-on bits. Just play it. It's awesome. But no, yeah, I... I, I, mean, I, I yeah. For, your, for your other listeners, they might not be happy. But you know, as far <laughs> as what I'm playing now... I think the last PC game I played was Star Wars Star Wars Battlefront. Okay. Which was a lot of fun. I mean, I would like to see... I don't know what they've done with Battlefront 2, but it, I had a great time playing the multiplayer in Battlefront, and I would love to see more of like a campaign or something. Just the environments are gorgeous. I mean... It's beautiful, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. I have it on a PS4, and... Uh, I actually got PS4, PSVR as well, and they got an X-Wing VR oh. mission. Nice. So I have people, when they come over, visit, <clears> I <throat> ask them, would you like to fly an X-Wing? Nine times out of ten, they go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I put the headset on, and they fly an X-Wing for 20 minutes, and they lose their minds because you are oh. sitting in yeah. an X-Wing, and you're looking, you can look behind you. Because that's a wonderful thing about VR. You can look all around. And they, right. they one of the things that you do, you actually have to get into the cockpit of the X-Wing before you fly it. And mm. you walk up to it, you look in, and it's just, it's got rubbish on the floor and stuff and wires hanging out. <laughs> and my friend, that's when great. he goes, I'm not getting this. It's, it's a, I know, it's terrible, isn't it? It's all, it's, they, 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 it's basically Heath Robinson's sort of like botched together machine. Like, I'm not flying this. I, I know. <laughs> That's the point. Rebellion just made this stuff out of junk. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> it's just so it's... wonderful. You just look down and go, there's a Coke can down there. <laughs> oh, I need to try it now. I, we, we don't have a PSVR here, though. We have the Oculus, but that won't help. Yeah, I think it, really, it was an exclusive thing on a PSVR, which is weird. Um, but uh, I, I, it's fantastic. I can't... It only lasts 20 minutes, but it's something you never forget. Because it's yeah. it's got all of the things, you know. You raise your shields. It's you know it's got it all there, and you even have an R two unit. When you get in, and you look behind you, and there it is. There he oh. is, you know, the R two oh. unit sort of spinning his head around like this is the best thing ever. Oh, and that makes me very sad that they haven't released it on PC so I can try it. Yeah, oh, well. that's a shame. Um, but but anyway, back to back to Tiny Wings. Yes, so the feeling that Tiny Wings gives me is unlike any other game I've played. It, you get that feeling when you're about to come down onto the slope of the hill, and it's just like this rush every single time. It's the weirdest thing. I've never had another game where I felt like that. And then just the combination of the whole package, of course, the music, the graphics, just the user interface. It's just a perfect game, I think. Have you and, tried um, Alto's <laughs> Adventure? Yes, I have. Okay. And it was fine. I, I, graphically, I think it was fantastic. Oh yeah, and the sound is pretty good too. Yeah, every uh, another great package. But for some reason, Tiny Wings has that gives me that feeling, right? That no other game 
it's just it's just weird. I know, I know if I know if I know exactly what you mean. It's like I still I still play Alto's Adventure <clears> and <throat> I still play like um threes because it's three but um but and also chastise people saying why are you playing that false one it's threes um uh <laughs> but uh it's you're, you're right honey we've played it for a while thanks i'm going to reinstall it now damn it yeah, um, yeah. i went back to it i had a, i had a brief um hiatus from, from tiny wings where i kind of forgot about it yeah and then I, and i saw it back on the charts because it seems to fluctuate where it'll go down to under below top 50 and then it'll come back up again right now back in the top 10 and I'll see it again and then I'll want to play it again. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I recommend it. I think it's wonderful. A man who's designed and developed a very yeah. complex and deep action adventure game that is Morphide and <laughs> you play Tiny Wings. There's no irony to that at all. There really I isn't, Josh. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I guess you're <laughs> I guess you're right. A lot of the games I've done are been, have been a little bit on the more complex side. Although I don't, I wouldn't say you know all these people are like to compare more fight force to uh, No Man's Sky, but it's definitely not nearly as complex as that. But it is complex in its own ways. Um, it's um, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, there's I think there is aspects of it that are are complex, and then there's other bits like you know what all that fluff. You don't have to worry about that. Anyway, <laughs> enough of that. There's enough of Tiny Wings, although you're, you're right. It's an excellent, excellent game. Highly rated. Uh, uh, and uh, you, you, should, you should have no shame about playing that. And also, when I, when I ask this question of, of guests, I say, you know, it can, doesn't have to be a video game. It can be a board game if you like. But okay. um, uh, it's... Because uh, I've had... We then go into huge discussions about whether Eclipse is worth anyone's time. Anyway... Let's um, move on to the second half of the show where we delve deep into Morphite. Josh, the first question I have is really a question, it's a request. The request is, tell us, what is Morphite? Well, I've, I think I have the best description I've ever heard of Morphite is that it's a compilation of a bunch of mini-games that doesn't necessarily fit in any particular order. <laughs> um, it's a sci-fi collection of mini-games. It is! Yeah. That reveal themselves to you very, very slowly. Yeah. In a very and sort of it's yeah, carry on. It's a more serious sci-fi WarioWare. <laughs> um no, I, I I think that's a good description, but we tried to make it like a game, even though it feels like a bunch of mini games. Um I think because it's the feature creep. It just keep adding things. Oh, let's add an asteroid field that you can fly through like in Star Wars, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then we keep getting requests. And now that we're adding even more of these little mini areas and mini games, it's really turning into a big mess of different things. So I don't, it's funny though. I'm not sure what people like the most about it. And um, I know what people want. I know people want to fly their ship freely, which would be a real pain in the ass. Um, 
I think they want to have what they didn't get out of No Man's Sky when it first came out. Mm. And clearly my intention was not to create No Man's Sky. In fact, it was to create Metroid Prime, but with with a bit of random planet exploring as well. So it was basically like the initial base concept was a love letter to Metroid Prime. And you know, I don't like using the word love, the, the phrase, because it gets used overused. But I truly love Metroid, though. So. Yes, um, it's, it's up there with visceral, so be careful. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to use that. Sorry, Sorry Josh. <laughs> okay. I hate overused industry yeah. like that. But yeah, it's, it's when you yeah, hear corporate speak, it makes me want to vomit. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so I had to clarify that. But so, so Metroid Prime is probably the big influence on the game. And then at some point, I'm not sure when, maybe a few months into it, when we were, we were already developing the characters and things and the mechanics, I was thinking, wow, well, it'd be, it would be really cool to make this in a way more like a roguelike where you could go to planets, but you could, you know, you die and you kind of start back over again, which is sort of what, what you do in the game. It's sort of like a huge roguelike in the, in the universe, and, but aside from the story aspect. But, you know, once you're going, hopping from random planet to random planet, it feels like you're exploring dungeons. I don't, I mean, you may have felt that way too, but. Essentially, the planets are done. They're random dungeons. And each planet may have you know, different features on it, but it has loot-defining caves and things like that, and it's all organized in a structure that is similar to, to a randomized dungeon crawler. Yeah. Um, oh. I didn't see that because I saw the dungeons as real like caverns that you enter in the, okay, these yeah. installations you find. I thought that I, I, I mean, I understood the conceit of the game in that you, when you landed on a planet, you were in a very small and contained and bound area. That was mm-hmm. fine. I mean, I didn't want to go tripping across the, the landscape, finding little bugs and then blowing them up. And because if I did that, I would play no man's sky, but no man's sky isn't based on, um, Metroid. It's based on a game called mercenary. Uh, look it up. Yeah, <laughs> just, no, just yeah. look it up. It's based on Mercenary, which is an open world game, and it was released in 1985 for the Commodore 64. So it's it's a very 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 old game. It's a very different game to 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 um, Metroid, and I, I do see the Metroid re- references. I do because I like you really love action adventure games. I love exploring worlds made by others. You see, this is, and I've said this before on the show, but uh, that's that's why I, you know, I played WoW for so long, not because I wanted to be the best of the best of the best or go I mean I did go raiding and all sorts of it. I went full pelt, you know, 40 man raid kind of nonsense. Why? Because I wanted to see the stuff. Yeah. That was the, the only reason. Josh, it was the only reason. It wasn't because I wanted to be you know, more power. No, I wanted to see it. Right, and you want to, and, and you want to not only see what there is to offer, but you want to find unique things. Yes, that's the hardest part to do, of course. Yes, but I, but I, that's what we kind of strive to do, and I think some of our early games maybe suffer from not having enough unique stuff. But I think we've struck a nice balance now of what you can find, where there are rare things to find and things that you may not find for a long time. Unless you explore a hundred planets or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so. so, this is my first sort of design question now. So, brace yourself. All right. How did you differentiate between exploration versus the player's need to grow? Mm. That was, a, yeah, that's a good question. Now, I think the exploration, you know, aside from the main storyline planets, the random planets, is that's what you're talking about. Well, I'm talking about the RPG-like elements, the stat oh. increases, your abilities increasing, your you know, yeah. ability to fire your weapon, to jump, to aim, to all sorts of things. You, know, right. you have this incremental, very small incremental increases uh, at, at significant cost because you have to go around, you have to go around finding minerals, finding materials, finding things uh, to to build, to create more things. And then when you do that, you can then upgrade your your, your character, your playing, their ability to do things. 
uh, or incre- improve their ability to do things. I just want to know, wh- how did you balance that versus the, the sheer act of exploration? Okay, that's <clears throat> it's tricky. It's a tricky one. I think that's sort of two questions at the same time because there is a balancing act of upgrading versus exploring um, in the main storyline versus the random part of the game. Mm. Where I think the random part of the game is sort of a side thing. Um, it's not. It doesn't even need to be there. Honestly, mm. you don't need to to go to any random planet, except maybe to get a few resources here and there. Yes, maybe get some scans. But there's other than that, unless you want to, you know, look for unique things and just explore for fun. There's no real reason to go there. The main reason to play the game is to play through the story. And the story sort of leads you along, and the way it's balanced, or the way we tried to balance is it balance it was as the levels get more different, the planets levels planets same thing um, as they get more difficult, we tried to balance it with the upgrades that you get in a sort of Metroid kind of way, um, where certain things will open if you have the right gun or the right rocket launcher or whatever, and then. You know, jumping obviously gets higher, and then you get tools to jump, and then you get the grappling hook, and then... Actually, it's funny, because I would say the best part of the game is more than halfway through when you actually start getting the interesting tools to use. And it's unfortunate, because a lot of people probably will never make it that far into the game. But by the time you're... You know, when when you get to chapter four, which is four out of six, it's Mm. more than halfway through the game is where the game, I think, gets more interesting and more fun. And I kind of wish we had introduced some of those things earlier, but it would have been a lot more difficult to keep level difficulty under wraps, if you know what I mean. It's The more you threw in, the more difficult it would have been to actually make it, because you can overwhelm. Sensory overload um, is a common problem in games like like more fight where you have these always stuff thrown in and you know slime sand had a similar as a similar as a game called slime sand it's very good yep. but it has lots of stuff thrown at it lots and lots of stuff and the, the developers openly like you know we chatted about it on the show and he was like yeah no it is scope free <laughs> but I fully admit that i don't care it's my game damn it and you know and it's, it's just, it, there's pong in that game you know you can play a mini game of pong and stuff it's just, it's yeah. nuts and it, it, it but there is but he's constructed in such a way that it was it was optional it was clearly like you don't have to do this it's a bit of fun you know you don't have to do this you can carry on think, playing you know but yeah, yeah i think what what comes down to is you work on a game long enough and you just start adding more and more to it because the the story of morphite even though you know, it may not be as polished as a lot of other games in the first-person shooter genre because there's so many of them. Mm. That is what took the longest to make. And we had so much time that we just started to throw in other things as we were working <laughs> on it. And I knew the story was going to take forever. Um, and that's what we just focused the most on. So I would say if you are going to play more fight, I would just play through the story and then you'll have a much better time rather than just straight away, maybe not even going to the first planet, going straight off onto the random planet. You'll have a much worse experience um, just because of the nature of how the game is designed. I want to ask you about that now. I want to ask you the second question I've got is the story arc. I immediately uh, latched onto it because it appears to be the, the primary role of Morphite. And I'll probably know an answer to this question, but I'm guessing this was always the intention, yes? Yeah, and I mean, there's some. It's the it's very clear right away that you're very guided, and I think a lot of people will say, "I don't like to be guided in a game," but I think that was sort of my intention that I wanted to have a clear story, and I didn't want it to meander too much, where you could get lost or confused, and you could keep, you know getting these experiences and the story is so crucial to the game because it's really the only way that you can upgrade. And if you do want to have these experiences, you can't do it any other way. No, that's right. You can go off tangent, off piste a little bit. Yeah, for a little bit. But you're going to have to come back. (laughs) You're going to have to, if you really want to get your money's worth, 
you have to go back to the story to get yeah. everything. So. I find that more fight is a very pure experience in that it cuts away a lot of the chaff that we spoke about earlier. The in-between bits, the, 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 the having to fly between, find the planet, then lock on, <laughs> and then that's, that's, you know, that's gone. It's not there. It's just, you know, it's, you, you're, it's assumed that you know how to find a planet, fly to it, and land on it. Let's just assume you can do that if you don't mind, you know. Um, how did you find editing that stuff out? Where did you find draw the line where we went, okay, this part is actually interesting or different or or risky or you know what, what point what where, what line did you draw to say okay this is player interaction this is player involvement this not so much I think it was more of <clears throat> okay we're only gonna do this <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna go as far as to you can fly to planets land on them and we're not gonna go that far although there is a sort of a a hint of that where you can you come down in your drop pod and it kind of feels like you're landing on a planet, but you don't get the experience of literally flying to the next planet, which I think bores the hell out of me. And I know lots of other people really like that thing as it's our, one of our most requested features, but I, I, it's just not for me. I, I want to, I guess I'm have such a short attention span that I need to get where I'm going right away. And not have to deal with that. Although, you know, who knows what the future for this game holds. And I'm kind of, at this point, relying on the Nintendo Switch to see what our future is. Because it's our last platform, quote-unquote. There's also Android, too, which we haven't released on. But I kind of know how Android, Android will go. Nintendo Switch is the big device for um, indies right now. Yes, it's replaced the um, the Vita, isn't it? Um, that's a bit simplistic for me to say that, but I genuinely believe that's what's happened. Right, and I and I, you know, I'm getting off on a tangent again, but I would say Sorry. that I tr- I purposely trimmed the stuff out because I wanted it to make it a more streamlined experience. And it, originally, the game was going to be a mobile, and we decided to make it on all platforms to lessen the risk of, you know, and the funny, here's the funny part about that. Ended up doing better on iOS than we did on any other platform so far. But I think that part of that was, you know, streamlining it so you didn't have to spend, you know, a half hour to get to wherever the next planet was or 10 minutes or even. You could, and even, even if you play through the whole story, it's still very long, even having that streamlined experience. And so I can't even imagine what it would take if you actually had to fly your ship to another planet. It would, be, it would double or triple the amount of time you need to play the game. It's not, it's not designed that way, and I don't think it would work. No offense to you and your, your team. Maybe if you broke it up into several chapters, it might, if people really want to have this um, you know, experience of travelling between systems and then how would you emulate it? Would you do it more like straightforward like No Man's Sky or would you turn it into the Newtonian physics nonsense of <laughs> of um of of uh, Elite Dangerous or something in between? I don't know. Well um, I think part of the issue is that Morphite is a very fictional game hmm. in that it it Morphite sort of plays by its own rules. As you'll notice if you land on a planet it might have a temperature of 800 degrees, but the creatures roaming around. We we kind of threw it all out the window. We didn't care. You know, it doesn't really make sense, but it's its own universe, and it doesn't really matter. It just, it's its own thing. And so we, we, simplifying it and just doing whatever we wanted with it just felt like the right thing to do, for lack of a better way of saying it, but it just seemed to work. So my last point and my last question isn't so much about the mechanics. I think we've nailed that. Well, we've never be able to do it more fight because there's so much of it. But I think we've focused and we don't we delved into that. I want to talk about the presentation of it more to the point. The score, I'm really taken by it, and it's very interactive. Can you tell us how that came about? The score, the music in the game. Well, so the the composer 
or musician, whatever you want to call him. His, his name is Evan Gibson, and he's done music for a bunch of our other games as well. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know, for this one, it's interesting because he had, at the very beginning, when he was starting to compose music for it, he was making this great sort of very desolate planet-sounding type of music. So sometimes when you're on a planet, you get kind of desolate feeling, and I think it works perfectly. And the music, as it progressed, because we have so many songs in the game, I think the soundtrack has 57 songs. Um, but there are actually more than that. They're probably like 65 in total. He, I just kept having him make more and more music every week. <laughs> so every time there was a new level in a chapter, I would have him make a new track for that so that for me it was very important i'm also a musician i've done electronic music for a long time i don't do it as much anymore but um it was very important for me that the music matched up with the particular planet you were on and i wanted the feeling of that planet to resonate in the music <clears throat> so every single planet in the story has its own track now that track may show up on a random planet but it would be more rare to hear that. We have sort of a set of random planet tracks that you hear, and then every story planet has its own unique track. And then, of course, when you're on the spaceship, it has a set of songs that feel adventurous, and you know, you're know you going to explore new um, solar systems, and it has that feeling to it. And sort of every, every segment of the game has its own almost has its own score or even style in some ways um, I just I just noticed when certain events happen it also changes as well yeah I mean it does it, I guess it depends on which scene you're in like if you're going to a planet or if you're arriving on a planet or where you're exploring it's all very um, specific so yes we did spend quite a long time on that and something I'm very proud of with this game well it, it certainly um caught my ear <laughs> hey see <laughs> good jokes go. <laughs> um but uh no it, it struck me is that when the certain things appear i won't say what uh and like oh this is a bit dangerous oh i better run <laughs> and uh you know and it's um the music really helped the, the, the drama like you know the tone the sudden the the, the um the tempo suddenly changed and went yeah you need to oh, get out I, of there right yeah. now I think I know what you're, you're speaking yeah. specifically yeah. about. Okay. Yeah. See. You need to leave right now. So <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. Really, really cool. So it's just, it helps. And I, I do think music is, um, I, I used to say it was undervalued or underrepresented, but I don't think that's the case anymore. I think a lot of people now understand that to the point where people now release uh, on uh, uh, <laughs> tracks you know of of, of them of the, of the sounds of the music so um yeah original soundtrack there you go that's what i was thinking they, they released those alongside the game so yeah as rightly so because it should be celebrated i think um i actually still have, i actually have a fair few of them on my uh on my uh ipod that's like ah. iPod, iphone to actually listen to them uh, mainly because I write a lot. Uh, when I'm writing, I like listening to music. So it's either that or Radio 6. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, so, more fight then. It's out on Windows, PC, Mac, Linux, PS4, Xbox One, and iOS, correct? Yeah. And, and it will be out on Switch soon, I assume? Uh, next Thursday. Wow, yeah, you dodged the bullet of... <laughs> Mario Bullet. I dodged the bullet bill. Everyone's <laughs> double away. I mean, yeah, fair play, Wolfenstein going, yeah, we'll, we'll come out the same day. No, no, don't do that. No, oh, no, no. terrible. <laughs> I mean, everything hit on the same day. I feel so bad for uh, some people that I know that released their game on um, Nintendo Switch at pretty much the same time. Oh, dear. Horrible. Just horrible. It's just, oh, dear. But yeah. not, and on that, so it's kind of. So, Celebrity and down note, <laughs> Josh. Yeah. It's been fantastic having you on. I hope you had a good time. Oh, thanks, Chris. Yes, I definitely um, was able to talk about things that I haven't talked about yet about this game. So that was really neat. 
Excellent, excellent. And you're more than welcome to come back and talk about your next project, whatever that may be. Um, I do sincerely wish you the very best of luck with the release of More Fight on the Switch. I, I will likely double dip and buy it. Uh, uh, and because uh, it's uh, as much as I love playing on the PC, to have it on a mobile platform will be will be quite special. So um, yeah, so yeah, well done. And uh, again, you're more than welcome to come back on and tell about whatever else you've got in, lined up. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate being here and you having me on. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me, any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer you listen to this show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show, which is the stablemate podcast, shall we say, on spong.com. Bye! <laughs>